Hi guys, how are you doing? Um, welcome to the Daily Bible Reading Show. Uh, what I'm doing this week is looking at Genesis chapter 8. That's the passage I'm preaching this coming Sunday. So this is kind of like my prep work behind the scenes of my uh, sermon preparation for this coming Sunday. Uh, today is Friday, just finished work and had a really long but really fun day. Uh, it ended with a lab jam. My music group, that's the name of the group, Lab Jam. We were playing some oldies, some lots of very loud music, <laughs> rock, rock music, uh, but it was really, really fun. And I think that was the thing. I mean, we weren't by any standards like fantastic, but I think we weren't bad. But more importantly, we had a lot of fun, and that was great. I think we enjoyed ourselves. Um, I think the people listening to us had a good time as well. And that was just great to end the week like that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, it is Friday evening. I have tomorrow to work on this message. I'm preaching on Sunday. Uh, but tonight, really, uh, I am so tired, but I really just want to get in some final thoughts about this passage while I'm waiting for my laundry to be done. Okay, so this is Genesis chapter 8 and verse uh, 13. By the first day of the first month of Noah's 601st year, the water had dried up from the earth. And Noah then removed the covering from the ark and saw that the surface of the ground was dry. By the 27th day of the second month, the earth was completely dry. Then God said to Noah, come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives bring out every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds, the animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground so that they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number upon it. So Noah is 601 years old in verse 13. <laughs> by the first day of the first month of Noah's 601st year. So happy birthday, Noah. Uh, that's kind of the title of the sermon <laughs> that I'm giving on Sunday. You know, Noah's 601st birthday, and he's stuck inside this ark. That's where he's celebrating his 601st birthday. And that's just so significant because, well, for one thing, we know how old he is. You know, it's interesting that the chronology of all the, these events is based on Noah's birth. Yeah, interesting you think of that. Uh, he was 600 years old when the flood waters uh, fell, and he was 601 years old when he exited the ark. Um, and it shows that uh, humanity at this point of time, which was wiped out by the flood, remember that, you know, there's no one else alive except for Noah, is now defined by this new humanity in Noah. Uh, so it's 601st year of this new humanity and it's measured in terms of this um, new man, Noah. And what's interesting is he is this old 601st year and he stays inside the ark. Verse 13, Noah then removed the covering of the ark and saw that the surface of the ground was dry. And twice it mentions in that same verse that the water had dried up. 
the water had dried up. He removed the door. He could see the ground is dry. But the thing is, he stays inside the ark for another full month. It says there in verse 14, by the 27th day of the second month. So he stays in until the 27th of the next month. Like Think of it like 27th of February. He opens the door on 1st of January. He stays in for another two whole months before he steps out. And what causes him to step out is God's word. Verse 15, then God said to Noah, come out of the ark. You know, what's Noah waiting for? What else is he waiting for? Uh, he's been waiting for the waters to dry up. He's been waiting for it to be safe. He's waiting for some evidence that it is safe. He can see it for himself. But no, 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 no. What he's waiting for is God's word to call him out into safety, into salvation, into this new life. And what's interesting is it was God's word that told him to go into the ark in the first place. That's chapter 7. And now it is God's word that's telling him to come out of the ark. I think we see a real deep sense of Noah's obedience to God's word in these verses. You know, Noah doesn't move an inch without God telling him to you know, do that thing, build that ark, go into the ark, come out of the ark. He is always in obedience before God. Noah does not say a single thing. You know, all throughout these two chapters, Noah says no words. He just does what God's word tells him to do. And again, it shows his obedience and his dependence upon God's word. And it isn't until God says, come out, come out. Verse 15, come out of the ark, you, your wife, your son, and their wives, and bring out every living creature. And here it outlines the types of creatures that are in there, you know, birds, animals, creatures on the ground, so that they can multiply on the earth, be fruitful and increase. Again, echoes of Genesis, where God created all these different creatures for them to grow and to multiply and to propagate, to fill the earth, to be fruitful, to display God's blessing upon them such that it's not just them, but they multiply, they grow in number. And it's showing that this creation is a new creation, is a redeemed creation, that God is starting over again. Verse 18, so Noah came out together with his sons and his wife and his son's wives, all the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground and all the birds, everything that moves on the earth came out of the ark one kind after another. So a new humanity uh, um, leading a new creation. Verse 20, then Noah built an altar to the Lord and taking some of the clean animals and clean birds, he, <laughs> he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. This is so interesting. So interesting, verse 20, the first thing that Noah does to celebrate his freedom as it were is to do this barbecue for God, this altar. That's what it is. An altar is just a place where you sacrifice animals and you burn them up before God. First thing he does when he emerges after this kind of like lockdown for over a year is to give glory to God, give thanks to God, give praise and worship 
to God, you know, you think of the first thing that we did <laughs> when we exited lockdown. We were thinking of everything that we would do and probably you've done it. You know, watched that movie, had that barbecue, maybe gone out and, you know, met up with your friends. You know, maybe it might not occur to us the first thing that we could have done and maybe we still could do. Give glory to God, you know, give worship to Him. Acknowledge that it's He who's brought us into this safety, into this salvation. That's what Noah does. And what he does in verse 20 is he sacrifices. <laughs> sacrifices burnt offerings by taking some of the clean animals and the clean birds. Now, these are animals that were on the ark. These are animals that have been saved and all the other animals died in the flood. And you would think that, hey, you just saved them. Now you're killing them. <laughs> What's the point? You're supposed to repopulate the earth. You're supposed to start over again. Shouldn't you be saving them for that? But no, he sacrifices them towards God. And it's saying something very significant about why these animals had to die. It's saying something about how these animals, which are sinless, which are here described as clean and acceptable before God, they need to be die so that Noah does not die. You see, Noah is not less sinful than everyone else who died, not more holy than everyone else who died. No, he is just as sinful, just as unholy. And something needs to take his place of death. That's the symbolism of these animals. Something that is clean taking the, taking the place of something that is unclean. Noah, his heart, his sinfulness. Verse 21, the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, never again, never again will I curse the ground because of man, even though every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. And there is this repetition of never again, never again. God is looking back towards the destruction that destroyed all of the earth. He says, that's not going to happen again. God is promising that this thing that is so horrible that's just happened within memory. You know, it's, God's not going to do that again. And why does he say this? He's saying that he's going to hold back, hold back a kind of judgment, a kind of tragedy that is kind of deserved uh, because he says here, you know, even though, <laughs> even though the inclinations of our hearts is still evil, he will hold it back. Even though we might do something that might be deserving of punishment, deserving of God's judgment, God will hold it back. You know, even though God might be upset and might, God might look upon us, upon our sin at times that grieves him, he will hold it back. Never again. It's saying that this kind of scale of judgment that will destroy everything on earth because of our well-deserved sin will never happen again because of this thing called God's covenant, God's promise. And this is uh, perhaps the first covenant that we see here in the Bible, God giving this promise to God, promise of God towards man to save man by holding back, holding back judgment. And what it does is it gives an opportunity for us to grow, for us to 
to praise God and for us to, I think, to turn back to God. Verse 22, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, will never cease. A kind of cycle of the season. Seed time and harvest, you plant something and you reap it. Cold and heat, you know, winter and summer, uh, day and night. You know, the different seasons, the different changes reminds us of the constancy of God's promise, God's salvation in the midst of changing seasons. You might see things that are changing, things that are moving on. The only reason that's happening is because God is holding back, holding back His judgment, giving opportunity for us to grow, to experience His grace, but also to turn back towards Him. And the question is, why would God do this? You know, why would God do this? Um, two possible reasons. Number one, the judgment was just so, so horrible. You know, God has seen that he's poured out this judgment upon the earth, kind of like the kind of judgment we would pour out on a broken computer. You know, a computer breaks down, what do you do? You, you reboot it <laughs> or you wipe out the hard drive. And that's what God does kind of like with the earth. He wipes out, reboots the entire earth. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. He says, every inclination of man's heart is evil from childbirth. He's here describing Noah. You know, he's wiped out everyone else. Noah is alive, but Noah is still a part of that sinful humanity. It doesn't work. So this kind of like widespread judgment, God understands, will just result in humanity's growing back to its old ways. But number two, the reason why God gives this promise is actually in direct response to Noah's sacrifice. Again, verse 21, the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, this pleasing aroma of what? Of this barbecue, of this sacrifice that Noah has killed this animal, burnt it, barbecued it on this altar and the smoke rises up and God's nostrils, as it were, smells this literally restful sacrifice. And God says, never again. It's saying that there is such a thing as a sacrifice for our sin. There is such a thing as a replacement for our sin. That this animal dies, I do not die. This clean thing dies, and me, the unclean thing, gets to live. And it's pointing forward, pointing forward to the ultimate sacrifice of sin that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Sorry, I'm not sure you can hear it's a familiar spin cycle of my washing machine. But yeah, pointing forward to Jesus, pointing forward to the ultimate sacrifice. And after that, after that, uh, Peter tells us that there will be a final judgment that will come through the Lord Jesus Christ who took our sacrifice upon himself. But yeah, that, that, that's what I have so far. Uh, this has been my reflection on the last bit of Genesis chapter 8. It has been very, in Chinese you say very chionghei, <laughs> because I'm very tired. But also, I'm trying to just kind of think through, just kind of thinking aloud, just trying to work through this passage in my mind and in my heart, thinking about what it means for God to hold back His judgment from my you know, sin even today, and what it means for God to provide that sacrifice for my sin today, all, in, all through the Lord Jesus Christ, all a reminder of His covenant, His grace to us through Jesus. Uh, Heavenly Father, um, thank you so much again for this passage. Help us to apply this, even tonight, even today, even in this moment, that we might give all praise, all glory, all worship 
to you in Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for watching. Take care. God bless.